Good morning and welcome to church. Can we put our hands together for every volunteer that is working this service right now? Can we just give them some thanks? Yeah. So good. We got some great, great volunteers. For those of you who don't know, it takes about 60 to 70 people to pull us pull a service off. And so uh, we're thankful for those people because that's, you know, 140 people over two, two services. So we're thankful for that team. Um, before I get started this morning, I want to make a quick announcement about our woman conference that is quickly approaching. And so um, it is um, our second session is already sold out. So you're talking thousands of, of, of women uh, coming together. That ought to be interesting. And so, um, but our first session is still open. Uh, this is one of the greatest things that we do as a church is this woman conference. It's really powerful. And so if you want to know more, if you're not signed up or, or registered for that event and you could go to session one, uh, you need to go to womanconference.tv, womanconference.tv. It'll tell you all you need, you need to know about getting registered, the dates, times, speakers, anything that you want to know can be found at Woman Conference TV. So I want to um, speak this morning on, on a topic that uh, we are all very familiar with. It is a, a topic that if you are reading the Word, almost every single Bible character that we can come up with has experienced this, and Scripture talks to us personally about how they, they dealt with it. And you can go Old Testament, you can go New Testament, no matter where you look, you're going to find this topic, okay? And I'm going to talk about fear this morning, about fear. And I want to kind of set a, a preface for this because um, I'm not talking about days where you're temporarily frightened by something. I'm talking about fear, like genuine lifestyle ingrained in me, entrenched fear, okay? And I hope to, to communicate this morning uh, more specifically about, that, about what I'm talking about as it relates to Scripture. So if we had to guess this morning about what the most common command in Scripture is, what do you think our, our knee-jerk reaction would, would be to that? I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because um, in Christianity, there's a lot of principle. There's a lot of things that we say would represent the big picture of Christianity. And if we have a, a, a command from, from God to do certain things, we would come out and say things like, to be truthful or to be faithful or to love people. We would, we would say those types of things. But the greatest command, and what I mean by, by greatest is the most long-standing, the most represented numerically, meaning the most talked about command in Scripture is fear not. Okay, Do not be afraid. And, and, and it just seems, a, a, again, the more that we look at Scripture, the more we look through these great characters, the more we see this command come up. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I've gone before you. Don't be afraid. I already know the outcome. And I think we, we can take away the fear not commands that came when a 10-foot angel appeared in somebody's bedroom in the middle of the night. Okay, that's a common fear. Okay, so if they say fear not, I'm like, thanks, because I was about to be really uh, freaked out. But everything else that we experience in life, it seems like we have this immediate 
response to look at our lives through fear rather than through faith. It, it's, it's more natural for us to, to jump in to fear and that immediately become our filter for everything rather than us jump into faith and then speak to things in our lives from a position of being faith-filled. We all struggle with it. Big heroes of faith struggle with it. So let me, let me start this talk by defining fear. Okay, This is from a dictionary, but I think it's very strong. This is what it says. Fear is our response to danger, watch this, that is real or perceived. Okay, Our response to danger that is real or perceived. Meaning, it doesn't even have to be part of our reality. We can let our imagination... Look at an experience in our lives and perception cause us to be afraid of it. It's not even real, okay? It's not even happening. It's not even unfolding. It's just fear, okay? And so when, when we look at this, we, we live in an age of anxiety. I, I think some of that is due to the connectivity that, that, that we have. So we have access to each other's information, we have access to each other's stories, and we can get on social media and within a few minutes be scared to a death. We, we can watch the global news and within a few minutes be scared to death of something, something somewhere. We look at that and say, man, I'm glad I'm not involved in that because if I were, I would be scared and your heart rate starts going up and it's just your perception of what if that ever happened to me? And so you, you can have a physiological response, meaning heart rate and, 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 and sweating and, and, and pacing and, and so on, just based upon what if that ever happened to my life. Clinical research tells us that on, on average, each of us have a dozen fears that we are, are letting drive our daily experience. Okay, Now, some of you are afraid of more than a dozen things, but what I'm, I'm talking about is 12 deeply seated, rooted, heavily inspirational things in your life that are causing you to navigate your life. You, you avoid certain things and certain people and certain stimulus because you're afraid of it. And you know if you encounter it, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way you think or feel. And so you let a dozen things cause you to move around and, and, and act certain ways, behave certain ways, think certain ways. And it's almost like by the time we get back to our beds at nighttime, it's like this sigh of relief. Like, I survived the day. I made it. I made it around those 12 big obstacles. And life to you is more about surviving than, than, than it is thriving. It, it's, it's a survival mode. And it's like even your spirit is in a fight and flight uh, type mode. You are just trying to make it. Trying to, man, just one more day. If I can just get through my job one more day. If I can just get my kids settled down tonight and make it through one more day of being a parent. If I can just get to that quiet time at night where our, my spouse and I are no longer communicating and I just survive this one more day with them. And life and life more abundantly is somewhere like a fantasy out there that, that you feel like right now you could never attain because fear has got such tentacles running through you 
that you are responding to everything in life based upon fear. This is so significant in our culture that there are over 2,000 classified phobias, meaning that these things are not rare, that hundreds, thousands of people have come to the surface and spoke out in different places and said, I'm afraid of this. Well, me too, and me too, and me too. That it becomes a classified phobia. I want to share some of those with you this morning. So these are kind of funny. The first one, photophobia is the fear of not looking good in a photo. How's my hair? How's my makeup? Let's just do it some of the time. I look terrible. Okay, photophobia. Arachnophobia is legit. Okay, that is the fear of spiders. And I don't know about you guys, but I would rather have a snake than a spider any day. Can I get a witness? Anybody here? I just heard a bunch of no's, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. Okay, I don't care if it's a little microscopic. Those are the worst kind. They sneak up on you. They don't even make a dent at crawling across your bed at night. Arachnophobia. Then there's this one, phobia-phobia. That's the fear of getting a phobia. Oh, I hope I don't get that. Oh, I hope I don't get that either. Phobia-phobia. Cholrophobia, fear of clowns. Some of you have this. Okay. And listen, if you see a clown after midnight, it's scary because that's a clown up to no good. Okay. Then, then there's this one, Iraq butterphobia, the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Some of you don't even have, did, didn't even know you had it. Now you do. You got it. Okay. And then there's this one, my personal favorite, homilophobia, the fear of sermons. That's where some of y'all have been all summer. Okay, you haven't been here because you have homolophobia. So we go on and on and on and on, you know, according to research, another 1,994 of those we, we could go through. But let me just get to it this morning and ask you, what, what are you fearful of? Now again, I, I'm, I'm not talking about just a moment of, of, of isolated fear. I'm talking about gripping, life-changing avoidant personality kind of things. I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to steer my whole life away from something because of fear. What are you afraid of? Because some in this room, you're afraid of things that are very common to our human existence, okay? Like being sick. Like that sickness leading to death. And you're fearful of that. You're fearful of dying. So you don't want to travel, you don't want to drive, you don't want to fly, you don't want to, you don't want to do things where there's research that talks about how people die doing that. I don't want to go to an amusement park, I don't want to ride a ride, I don't want to be around people, I don't want to go to a grocery store because somebody somewhere in the world yesterday was killed in the grocery store. I don't want to go through a drive-thru, I, 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 don't, I don't want to do any of those things, okay, so... I'm, I'm, I'm scared of it. Some of you are scared to death of being single. And you let it give you the greatest insecurity. I'm afraid I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone. And then it turns into nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm unlovable. And before you know it, you've created a label for yourself, unlovable, and out of fear of being alone. Some of you have fear of having children. Some of that is legit too. 
have this fear of having children. And, and, and it reflects on you because you think, I didn't have a good parent. No, nobody modeled parenting to me. I came in, into healthy environments like, like a church or a life group late in life. And, and so now I, I think there's no way that I'm going to be a good parent. And again, you create a label off of a fear that doesn't even exist. It's based on a possibility. Some of you are afraid that you're not going to have kids. It's a big thing for you. I want to have children. I want to love children. I want to raise children. And it's a big desire for you as a person. I want to have children. And you think it's never going to happen. Some of you, you have fear about, about your, your job. I'm going to be unemployed. I think this is going to happen. And a hundred scenarios go through your mind about how you are going to end up without a paycheck. And, and, and again, it's, it's not about one thing that has responsible data to it. It's, it's something that gets in your mind and it starts to eat away at you and eat away at you and eat away at you. And suddenly you find yourself in fear based upon something that your mind has generated. Okay? So let, let me un, unpack this some, and I, I want to start with this and explain what I mean. Fear is this. Fear is vision without optimism. Okay? Because here, here, here we are, at, at this stage of our lives, our adult years, we know enough about life. that You can call it in, intuition. You can call it a gut check. It's, it's not a spiritual gift. It's, it's not like prophecy. It's, it's being smart. And so part of you having a, an intellect is your ability to see a pattern come and, and go and come and go and come and go until you're able to almost give a prediction to it. If this plays out, then that is going to happen. It's, it's an if-then. And it's, it's a gift from God in that it's common sense because we know where the, how the pattern ends. But we look at that and we don't, we're not optimistic about it. Meaning this, you can see the future. It's, it's not perfect. It's got some fog to it, some haze to it. It's pixelated. But you see it. And you know things. Like you know where the economy is going. So you get fearful. You look at politics, global peace, and you know if something doesn't change, what that's going to look like for your kids. And you get fear about it. You know where your health is going. You see certain things that are in you, some patterns, some things that you do. Maybe you go to your doctor, he starts warning you, you got some cholesterol, it's creeping up. You're starting to have blood pressure problems. Every time you go, check, check, check this. It's climbing. It's a pattern. And you think to yourself, oh, gosh, my grandparents had, had, pro had heart problems, diabetes. Maybe, oh, gosh, it's coming to call. And before you know it, man, you start getting worked up about it. And you start getting a lot of fear. And I'm, I'm not talking about not being wise here. I'm talking about just... Just fear that sets down on you. And you're able to see it. You know where your relationships are going. 
You know right now how many healthy friendships you have and how many unhealthy friendships you have. You know right now what your marriage looks like. And you think to yourself, there's this thing in our marriage, and maybe for 99% of your marriage, it's wonderful. But there's that 2%, that 1%, and you, and, and you look at it and you go, man... If that continues to go and play out over five to ten years, I don't know what's going to happen. You look at your ability to parent, and you go, man, if I don't grow in that area, then my kids in that one area are going to be at, 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 at loss because we're smart. We're able to look at what's next, and it doesn't look promising. And so it generates fear in us. And we think that we can keep it separated from our spiritual lives, but you cannot. Here's what I know about Scripture. We've got it completely wrong. Everything you do is a spiritual thing. And what what we think it is, is our physical experience, our mental, our emotional construct, and then from that, we live spiritually. No. From the spiritual overflow of your life, you have behaviors and thoughts and ideas and actions. And when that spirit man is healthy, you're healthy. When that spiritual man is fed, everything in you is fed. God designed us to be spiritual beings. He designed us to walk and talk with God. And when we put that as some second-hand thing in our lives, everything over here gets sick and broken and twisted. And this is why a lot of us are living from fear, because this guy, the main guy, is not full. So let let me, in your notes, as, as you can tell, there's several groups of points. That's because I'm a pastor, and that's how we do things. But fear is about one of three things. And I'm, I'm going to share these real quickly, and then I'm going to move on to some other things. But fear is typically about one of three categories, okay? This is the most concisely I could put this big topic. But here, 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 here they are. I'm going to give them to you, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the first one and, and visit them a little bit. The first one is not getting what we want. Then the second one is getting what we want and losing it. And the third is getting what I don't want. So getting what I want, getting what I want and losing it, getting what I don't want. These are, these are where your fears can be categorized. Okay, so the first one, not getting what we, we want. This means this, that your hope is hung on to something. Guys, listen, we are notorious for living our lives through this. We are designed to want stuff. We are driven. There's ambition And we even market in age groups. So we say to ourselves, to be a successful man, I need to have acquired this by the time I'm 30. And once we get there, we're going through the list. Okay, I got that one, that one, that one. Oh, no, I got one. I'll just drag that over to the 30 to 40 category, and we reassess. And then we say, okay, from 40 to 50, this is what I, I need to have done. I need to have a mortgage. I need to have a house. I need to have two kids somewhere in that decade. And then we get to 50. We're like, okay, listen, retirement's around the next bracket, so right now I need to be stockpiling. I need to be investing well. And so we start to check off things. I got, got it, got it, got it, got it. Not good. This is not good. I need to focus on this right now. Because in the next category, my body's going to start doing things I don't want it to to do, and I'm going to have some problems. So I need. hmm. So we start to categorize things by decades. I want this in this decade. I want this in this decade. And I want this in this decade. 
And, but this affects everybody. Because we say things like, like this. I want to get married, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to. I, I, I really want to, but the way dating is playing out, I just, I don't see it happening. I want to have kids, but I don't think we're going to be able to have kids. I want to graduate, I don't think I'm going to be able to graduate. I want a job, I want to serve God, I want to go into ministry, I want to own a house, I want a promotion, but I don't think any of that is going to happen. So we develop fear over what we want. The second thing is this, getting what we want and losing it. Now, I want to pause here for just a second. There's this great word called self-sabotage. And this is what a lot of people do in this category because they are afraid if I get something, if I succeed at it, I'm going to fail at it. So then, here uh, again, this is, this is your intellect acting out. You're smarter and, and it's causing you trouble. Because what, what you think is you've ran the math and you say, if I succeed and then I lose it, I'm going to look foolish. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to have some upgrades in my life and then I'm going to have to step back down AAA again. So it's better off if I never have anything. And, and you literally self-sabotage yourself. You can have an awesome relationship going. And you think, oh, Lord, man, this, is, this, is, this could be the real deal. What if he proposes? What if I fall in love with her? What if, what if this happens and then I'm a terrible husband or I'm a terrible father? I better get in this and screw this relationship up. Do you know that, this, this is research, that when some people win the lottery, most major lottery winners, I'm not making this up, most major lottery winners within 36 months of winning are back in the same financial position they were when they started. Why? Because they can't handle success. I don't know what to do with $200,000. I don't know what to do with $500,000. I don't know what to do with $2 million. So I'm going to do what, I, what I've always done. I'm just going to spend so I spin, 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 spin because that's what I've always known. So I'm going to sabotage because nobody ever taught me how to save. Nobody ever taught me how to invest. Nobody ever taught me how important it is that maybe the next generation reap a benefit off of something I did. And they self-sabotage. Why? Because there's a real fear of getting what I want and losing it. We're married. That's what I wanted. But whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what if we get divorced? Then what? Man, I, I prayed for kids, but now that I got them, I want to give them back. What if, what, if, what if my kid gets sick? What if they grow up and, and they're not a model citizen? What if something happens that's out of my control with my kids? I mean, what if they grow up and they start making real decisions on their own? What if they marry someone I don't approve of? What if they have to move back home? That's awful. And now we're afraid of getting what we want and losing it. I got the job of a lifetime and I'm making everything I prayed for. And I got this fancy title in a corner office. This is awesome. But then what if, what if it falls apart? What if I got to give it all back? What if I go back to being who I was before I had this good title? What what happens then? We, we got our dream home, 
What if we lose it? What if the economy turns? What if one of us lose our job? So it's better off, again, here's what happens. You sabotage yourself because you say to to yourself, it's better off that I not have a big lofty dream. It's, It's better off that I don't even speak in terms of faith about how great God is and the magnitude of His His power and what He could do through me. It's better off that I not be disappointed. So what I would rather do is not even, even succeed at the risk and the fear of failing. So I, I don't want to become those things because I might, I might fail at it. Okay, third, getting what you don't want. Okay, I got cancer. I don't want that. I'm getting older. I don't want that. Kids are growing up. I don't want that. They're getting families of their own, having kids of, of, of their own. I'm good that they talk to me once a week on a phone for five minutes. I didn't want that. We have fear of, of getting what we don't want. And all of these things are driving our daily experiences, our behaviors, our emotions. And ultimately it plays out in how we perceive God, our role with God, our spiritual health. Because we're just under the weight of fear. So fear reveals our values and our priorities and our longings. Because you only fear losing what you love. And you only fear getting what you hate. It reveals what is primary for us. Okay, now watch this. Let's go to Psalm 34 and verse 4. Now this this is coming from David. And i I got to tell you this context. Because again, men, I I, I want you all to hear me today. This is King David. This is a man who, I mean, he is a man's man altogether. Got it wrapped up. He's got a resume you wouldn't believe. He's good looking. He's talented. He's rich. He's a king. He's a warrior. People have sung about him in the streets. Chant his name. He's full of fear. Full of fear. Fear pulls no punches. Fear doesn't care how wealthy you are, how established you are. Fear's not afraid of your youth and vibrance. It comes to all of us. Every race, ethnicity, color, gender, all of it. Everyone sees and experiences Fear. And so David says this in Psalm 34, 4. I prayed to the Lord and he answered and freed me from all my fears. All my fears is, is certainly a statement of plurality. He's got more than one. All my fears. David is saying this. When I looked at myself as just a king and a warrior and a popular person and a good-looking guy and a resume that's strong and I looked at my bank accounts, I still had fear. So for resolve, where did I go? To the Lord. And when I finished talking to him, I felt better. All my fear was gone. 
And we've had it backwards because we thought, okay, if I can just safeguard myself, if, if, if I can get enough stuff, if I can get this house paid down, if I can get this job, if, if, if I can marry the right person, if I can have enough kids, if I can get enough joy, if I can get enough happiness, if I can stockpile this stuff, then it's going to safeguard me against fear. Wrong. Talking to God and getting His voice in your life is the remedy for fear and anxiety. We try to medicate it. We try to Tylenol PM it. We try to whine it to death. We try to do all these things. We try to exercise it out. We try to keep ourselves busy. If I can just get busy, then I won't even think about it. And that's not what happened. So let me, let me talk for just a few things. I got, I got a lot to say and not a lot of time. Fear will paralyze you. It'll paralyze you. If given the option, just like, like, like David, most of us would look at David and say, man, that's a champion. It'll turn a champion into a coward overnight if you let it get in you. Here's why. Because God feeds your faith to motivate you, and the enemy feeds your fear to paralyze you. God is trying to say, you can do it. I'm with you always. I'll be with you to the end of the earth. I, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Um, all, of, all of these great promises. And the enemy is over here whispering about who you are. And he's trying to pump up your insecurities and try to highlight everything in you that you don't do well so that you'll be afraid. And, and fear paralyzes Robbie and I, after our first year of marriage, we moved to Virginia. It's about a thousand mile away, and we loaded everything we had into this one U-Haul truck, and we started making our our way to the East Coast. And by the time I hit sixty-seven North, I realized immediately that my truck had a governor on it. Okay, now let me explain that because some of you thought I meant like a state official. Okay. A governor is something they put on a vehicle to limit your mile per hour. And I had one, and it was a whopping 65 miles an hour. 65 miles an hour to Virginia. By the time I got to Knoxville, we were having real talks about pulling over, setting it on fire, and buying new furniture. I was like, I'm sick of this. I'm getting past. That lady just passed me. She was at least 90. I, I'm, I, I, I can't take it anymore. Trucks are coming by, peeling the paint off of this thing. Listen, let's just burn it. Let's just burn it. A governor. This is what fear does in your life. It's you having a lot of potential and a lot of talent and a lot of vision and a lot of God things going on, but fear governs it. It says, oh, no, 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 slow down, slow down, because you should be afraid. You should be afraid of making it. You should be afraid of success. You should be afraid of your past. That's what it does to us. Watch this, John chapter 20, verse 19. Let's take it to the New Testament for just a minute. The disciples were together, it says, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish authority. They were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish authority. Let me give you context. I don't have time to get into it, but let me give you a context at least. It's right after Jesus died. I mean, you would think there would be a lot of hype. They have experienced things none of us have ever experienced. 
They've seen miracles with their physical eyes that you and I may never see. They are filled. Man, the Lord has spent three and a half years pouring into them. You're going to do some amazing things. You're going to take the gospel to the entire world. You're going to do greater things than I did. That's what Jesus told them. And here they are behind locked doors. And the doors are locked from the inside. They have a lot to share, a lot to do, a lot of world changing. And here we find them. God's men of faith and power locked behind doors from the inside. Fear created a self-imposed prison for them. They said, whoa, 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 wait. Lord, this is great, but now that we've lost our, our leader, I'm, I'm having second thoughts. And, and so they start slowly to isolate and pull away and pull away and pull away. And the end result is getting somewhere that you think is safe for the people that you love the most and shutting the doors to the rest of the world and say, we don't care if all this out here burns to the ground as long as we're in here. Self-imposed prisons. And it makes me wonder how many of us in this room have done it. How many of you are there right now? A self-imposed place of, I'm just going to keep everything at bay the best I can. And your whole day is spent keeping people at arm's length. Okay. Oh, let me move on. I'm out of time. Can y'all give me, can I finish this morning? God, I don't ask you much, but let me finish today. One of man's oldest problems is fear. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam says, I was afraid and I hid from you. I was afraid and I hid from you. You know what this is about? Fear of rejection. I've messed up. God has to be mad at me because that's what people do. So we equate our experience with each other to our experience with Him. And we stop praying. And we stop believing. And we stop having faith. And we stop getting over it. And we just say, I, I was afraid of you, so I hid from you. I stopped going to church. I checked out of my life group. I stopped reading the Word. I stopped, I stopped my whole faith journey. Why? Because I was afraid you were going to reject me. So why should I even put time into it when I feel like you're, you're out to get me? And it fosters this, this big thing of insecurity. And fear begins to erode in you. In Judges 6, there's this guy named Gideon. And again, for time's sake, he's found. When God comes to him, he's actually in the process of hiding from people. And the salutation that he gives is mighty man of valor. And immediately God says, oh, you're talking to the wrong guy, the wrong tribe, the wrong people group, the wrong family. Lord, you've messed up. And we look at Gideon and we laugh at that, but you and I do it every day. That God's speaking to us, he's talking to us. And we're, we're giving feedback. No, 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 you got the wrong guy. I can't do that. I can't get over that. I can't forgive that person. I got way too much bitterness. I got way too much fear. I got way too much anxiety. I got way too much depression. My doctor even tells me so. I, I can't. There's no way that I can go out here and do the things you want me to do and dream the dreams that I, I would live any other way. But, Lord, I got anxiety. I got depression. I got justifiable fears. You're talking to the wrong person. But fear will sabotage your success. It can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Scripture tells it like this, Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But let's frame that verse through this talk this morning. If what I'm thinking I'm becoming, then we can sabotage ourselves through our thought life. 
Now I'm scared of my marriage. I'm scared of friends. I'm scared of my job. I got this beautiful home. I'm scared of it. Some of you are students. You're in a phase of your life, and all you can think about is the next four years, and you're scared to death of them. Am I choosing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I hearing from God? What about student loans? I'm going to get scholarship. I'm going to get out of here and owe $100,000. And you're, you're in your 20s, scared to death. Some of you are 40, scared to death. 60, scared to death. And you've carried this for so long, it's just who you are. So let, let, me, end, let me end with this. This is, this is powerful. I want you to get it. That's why I'm taking time for it. A recent study re- revealed this. Okay, 40% of our fears. Actually, let's break it down into a ratio because I like the way that feels better. Four out of ten thoughts that you have about fear are about your future and it's never going to happen. Four out of every ten. 30% of your thoughts, or three out of every ten, are about the past. Can you believe that? And they can't even be be changed. Three out of every anxious thoughts and fearful thoughts you have are about a past you cannot change. 12% of fears are about health that's never going to happen. You're never going to have that that, that heart attack. You're never going to get brain cancer. You're never going to have lung cancer. But we worry about it. 10% are petty fears. One out of every ten thought, did I leave the light on when I left? Did I unplug the iron? I shut the garage door? Where are my kids? Okay. Petty thoughts. All right. Eight percent of fears are real. And for us, those revolve around the Razorback football schedule. Only eight percent. So let, let me let me close. I've said that three times now because I'm trying to buy time from y'all. Two quick things to apply this to your life. You've got to let God's voice be the loudest voice in, in your life. We talked last week about God's voice, that he's speaking. He's speaking clearly. He's speaking loudly. It's got to be the loudest voice in your life, including over your own voice. His voice has to be louder than your voice. All right? When we decided to plant a church, I had two big fears. Okay, two big fears. These were my only two fears about planting a church. The first fear was what if nobody shows up? My second fear was what if people show up? All right, what if they don't show up? What if they do show up? Two completely different sets of fears. But I had to hear from God. I got to have the loudest voice in my head it has to be God's. And lastly, perfect love stops Fear. We've read this, 1 John 4, 18. We've read it, love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. That's what it says. So what is perfect love? Because some of you think about the emotion. If I just love deeper, if I love wider, if I love broader, if I just perfect love and I'm, I accept love and I love other people, then there won't be fear. No, we, we're missing it. Because perfect love is actually a, a noun, a proper noun. And it should be capitalized because it's not an emotion It's not your heart. It's not a behavior. It's a person. Perfect love is Jesus Christ. And when he rules your heart, it's saying this. They can't coexist. 
We can't be full of Jesus and full of fear at the same time. When we are fully exposed to the kingdom mentality and the love of God and He's filled our heart and it's overflowed into our mind and we're speaking that stuff out of our mouths, out of the overflow of who Jesus Christ is, it pushes fear out and away from us. I can no longer be afraid of ridiculous scenarios that I'm making up. Why? Because God's voice is the loudest in my life. And so some of you need to get some angst in this. You need to have some righteous indignation in you and say, I'm tired of living my life full of fear. And I'm going to push this junk out of my life and come back to being centered on the work of Jesus Christ in me, perfect love, casting out all fear in me. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of navigating everyday life. I'm tired of drinking too much wine. I'm tired of Tylenol PM and all of my, my, my problem. I am ready to anchor back into Jesus Christ and drive the fear out. That's the place that I need to be. Okay. I can't go on. I want you to bow your heads with me today and I want to speak to you for just a second. Okay. Just a second.